We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. Welcome to our week four postgame show. The Chicago Bears drop to three and one on the season as they lose to the Indianapolis Colts by the final score of 19 to 11 here on Sunday, October 4th. I'm Miros Odewitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And Nick, I knew it was going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I had 31 points uh, projected in our preview show, uh, ended up being only 30 points scored. Unfortunately, the Bears are on the wrong side of it. Uh, what are some of your just initial gut reactions and thoughts before we kind of formally kick off this postgame show? Yeah, I think it was just a very boring game in general. Like uh, from start to finish, well, there wasn't really a moment where I could say that I was fully like, okay, this could potentially be something uh, on the offensive side. On defense, where Khalil Mack. Oh, should have had an interception that's where I think my energy was at the highest but really just the entire game there just wasn't any of those moments uh the big plays that we kind of saw throughout um the fourth quarters really of the previous three games that you you were kind of emotionally invested I just kind of zoned out there for a little bit just watching nothing really happening for the Bears but that's just kind of the initial takeaways from this first loss of the season yeah, I, I would say that is going to be uh, pretty much mine as well. Uh, just like you, it wasn't entertaining. I thought the Bears were very lethargic. It didn't seem like uh, for the majority of this game, they were really interested in playing football today. Um, it was a lot of lack of effort uh, across the board, especially in offense. Uh, we'll talk about all the struggles that that unit had. Again, they only put up 
11 points and really they gave what they had three until garbage time there at the end so very tough day overall for the Bears on offense Uh, defensively we'll hit on them as well but let's go ahead and jump into the first quarter of our show and let's begin with our Miller Lite monster moment Nick, for me, again, there weren't a lot of huge moments in this game, especially that were favorable to the Bears. For me, I guess my monster moment will be Nick Foles' interception through Anthony Miller's hands near the end of the game just because they were driving. They were getting close. They were just outside the red zone there about midway through the fourth quarter. After that interception, Colts answer with a long seven-minute drive that ended up in a field goal. If the Bears score a touchdown there, you're looking at a 16-10 to 10 ball game. Maybe that changes how this thing ends at the very end of the day. So for me, uh, that's going to be my Miller Lite monster moment. But how about you? Do you have a moment that sticks out? You know, I'll just go with the what should have been, could have been the interception for Roquan Smith back there in the, the end zone for the Bears. Um, look, it was a great play by Tashawn Gibson to deflect the pass in the air. And then just like all day, really, for the Bears, nothing kind of went in their favor. And, you know, more so because the Bears weren't putting them in themselves in positions to make plays, I would say. And again, just um, Roquan Smith, left foot, hits the out-of-bounds line, comes away with the catch, and it doesn't obviously go up in, in the Bears' favor there. So maybe that, but like you, there weren't many monster moment-worthy plays that were actually in the Bears' favor. So I guess I'll go with that one. Yeah, it's sad, Nick, that we're at like a, I guess, like, I guess that's going to be the moment of the game or the biggest moment. It is. I, I mean, I'm feeling a little flat here. I think you are too. I think a lot of Bears fans who are listening live are. And if you missed the game, I promise you didn't miss a lot of action. Uh, that's for sure. But of course, our monster moment is brought to you by our friends at Miller Lite. And just during this time of social distancing, you know, just everything's a little bit different when you are enjoying Miller time. As the original light beer, Miller Lite, they've always been there to bring the people of Chicago together through Miller time. Here at the Chicago Audible, our goal, of course, is to bring Bears fans together across the entire globe, and that's, of course, very important, maybe more now than ever. So whether you're toasting the friends near... Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Or far, great taste is always close by with the original light beer, Miller Light, who's already brought people together through Miller Time here in Chicago, as I've mentioned. So I don't care where you find yourself having Miller Time, whether you're hanging out with friends, you're staying socially distant, you are doing some virtual meetups with your friends, plenty of ways that you can enjoy Miller Time throughout this season. I know Nick and I, we've had plenty of times at Soldier Field with our Miller Lights, enjoying well, bigger moments than we were able to talk about today, Nick, oh, that's for sure. So here's to the Bears. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. So no matter where you're watching the game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. And Nick, as we roll through the first quarter of our show here, what's a stat that stands out to you? I'm assuming we're both going to be looking at the third downs here. It was a huge 
reason why the Bears' offense was unable to get rolling, just their struggles on third down four of 14. At one point, they're like one of 11. Uh, we've seen this throughout the season where they really just have a hard time getting themselves in third and favorable. And then on top of that, just converting uh, and executing on third down, punting way too many times. I think I counted it before they started marching down the field here in the fourth quarter. They had like one drive that went like 20 yards or more, which is pathetic. Uh, so 4 14 on third down to me uh, is my telling stat. How about you? Do you have another or is that just the big one? You know, that's obviously a big one, but I can go on the other side of the ball. The Bears' defense allowed this Colts offense, which was the worst third-down offense in the league, dead last at 32. They went 8 of 19 on third down, you know, 50% there. But here's another one, just to get away from the third-down um, you know, conversation. We, we know it was bad on both sides for the Bears, but eight penalties, Will, for 103 yards. Like, it was... There was moments in the game where, you know, where I maybe was paying attention. I'm like, I'm expecting a penalty. At some point, there's going to be a yellow flag thrown, and it's going to go against the Bears because it didn't matter what side of the ball. There were opportunities, and obviously plays, eight eight of them that got flagged and that were accepted. There were other penalties in the game where the Colts were, there was, I think, a, a pass interference call where they didn't call it because they actually got more yards on, on the catch. But so there was just multiple, multiple times throughout the game where, Every face committed penalties, and it was transparent and apparent throughout the entirety of the game. But eight penalties, 103 yards, way, way too much. Sure is. Uh, I quote tweeted you, told you that's about four times as many yards as the Bears were able to gain on the ground. Bears only had 28 rushing yards today, 1.8 yards per rush. That could be a telling stat in its own right there, Nick. But you hit a good point on penalties. Uh, The Colts got four first downs from penalties, extending those drives. And special teams had four penalties by itself, which anytime you have a special teams penalty, you're always going to either hurt your own field position, which we saw, or give the other team some free yards that really start off their drives um, on a much better foot. So special teams not really helping the Bears here in this regard. And penalties, like you said, in all three phases really showed you just the Bears were just shooting themselves in the foot uh, throughout the majority of this game is there any other big stats that jump out to you right now before we move into the second quarter to uh unfortunately uh dissect what this bears offense was i'm gonna say unable to do no not really i mean you can an easy one it's just the 11 points but we'll we'll dive in i'm sure more stats will kind of present themselves throughout our conversation and you know should be a short one given how boring and lethargic this this whole bears game was I guess my other one would just be only the two trips in a red zone. And the last one came, again, the garbage time drive where the Colts were just allowing everything easy. Really nice touchdown by Allen Robinson. I'm glad they converted on that one. But up to that point, only one trip in the red zone. Rarely even getting across the 50 for the Bears here. It was a very tough day moving the ball. And we'll talk about how much that is the Colts defense versus the Bears offense. Because, Nick, we did call this game a measuring stick type of game for the Bears and I think we got some answers today and unfortunately we do have some additional questions so let's go ahead and officially move into that second quarter let's look at this offense and my x factor heading into this game Nick was Nick Foles and that spark because he gave the Bears a spark in the fourth quarter a week ago in Atlanta I was hopeful that it would carry over but from the very first drive it was apparent that it did not and I think that's a big concern at least for me as a Bears fan how about you were you as surprised as I am to see that that spark was completely gone 
Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely was surprising. I knew this offense would look a little different, right, from what we saw really in that fourth quarter and a bit of the end in Atlanta, just because given the situation the Bears were in, they were down by a bunch of points. They had to throw the ball deep and had to throw it often. So this was a more what Nagy actually thinks Nick Foles can do. And you saw some deep shots, but you didn't see as many, obviously. You saw the just inconsistencies, I would say, from Nick Foles as well, just inaccurate with passes, Really, um, like we we talked about it. This is nothing new, but he's not a mobile guy. And there were times where, like, even if the pressure wasn't immediately there, Foles is not going to be a guy that's really going to extend a play. There was the one play where he tries to hand it off to Montgomery. Montgomery already left him. He's like, oh, crap, I have to run up the middle now. So we just saw a lot of miscues. And Darnell Mooney was the guy that was targeted nine times, ended up being one less than Allen Robinson. You kept seeing miscues with him and Foles on third downs, which is obviously a huge money down for this Bears offense, for any offense really, but just miscues, mistiming with receivers, throwing it out too far, and it just didn't look, it looked nothing like the Nick Foles that came in and saved the Bears last week against Atlanta. It really didn't. Uh, you mentioned the, the miscues, there was missed opportunities, he was sailing some passes, he wasn't, I mean, these are all things that Bears fans would rip Mitchell Trubisky for uh, consistently. You know, oh, that throw was too high or is too far out of bounds. You have to give your guy a shot to come down with it. We saw those a few times, uh, skipping the ball, uh, just being inaccurate. And it's going to happen with every quarterback. But I was surprised because all the talk and everything we're looking forward to was someone that's going to play in the system, get these receivers in a good spot. And I know that he had a tough test. How much was it, do you think, Nick Foles struggling to get a groove versus the Colts' defense maybe being a little bit more legit than uh, we were envisioning heading into this game. Yeah, well, at the end of the preview podcast, I, I said, like, I hope this doesn't come back to bite us, thinking that maybe who the opponent or who the Colts had played previously isn't a true indicator of what their stats represent. And I think this Colts' defense, just after seeing what they can do, really fast unit. They close on a lot of things. They don't give you a lot of opportunities to make some of those bigger plays. But, I, I mean, when you look at this offense, even from play-calling-wise, what Nagy was calling for Foles and just when things were called, like there were some odd screens, I thought, just when the defense just looked like they were in a prime position to make plays. Maybe, again, credit the, the Colts' defense and the speed of that unit, but everything was off. And a credit to the Colts for having what should and does look like a number one defense because they held... Really, they held the Bears to three points, and then 11, like you said earlier, is garbage time, that, that Robinson touchdown. So I think it's a little bit of everything, Will, and this is Foles, obviously, first game starting, and we got to see how he can continue to improve from here, but it just wasn't good enough. And clearly, uh, like you said with Mitch, if this was Mitch, he did this performance, Twitter would be going after him like crazy. I tweeted out, I'd rather... I wouldn't mind seeing Trubisky right now and because it was just such a boring game. It's not that I want to see him over Foles. It's just maybe to, you know, just to bring me back and invest me for the rest of the five minutes that were left in the game. But a lot went wrong, Will, and it's hard to pinpoint exactly the main reason. But that's just Bears offense. That's the Bears, <laughs> right? that's, that's the Bears <laughs> offense every week. I mean, we have to go stage by stage, and we'll talk about it. With Nick Foles, I'm just disappointed about that spark not carrying over because it could have been that boost I think needed or it was necessary for this offense to really do a lot of damage against a defense of the caliber that the Colts brought in to Soldier Field today because they needed a little bit of 
pep in their step and a little just a bit of you know confidence about them. And it seemed like from that very first drive, they were going through the motions and they weren't really believing in it. Uh, that's again, that's what we're seeing from our TV and just a little slow, uh, a step behind. And I, I wonder, Nick, uh, how much do you think the inability to establish a run really? you know, inhibited the Bears from running the offense they were hoping to today because they tried uh, 16 carries, 10 for Monty. Uh, He had 27 of the team's 28 yards, but the team as a whole, 1.8 yards per rush is what really just, it it eats at me right now. Uh, Just think about this game because the offensive line, Nick, and we'll talk about them uh, from a pass protection standpoint as well, which was not pretty, uh, more particularly Charles Leno Jr. against Justin Houston was a mismatch that you mentioned you're looking at, and that came to be, uh, no doubt about it. Um, but the offensive line up front just looked like they were being bullied. The Colts were in the backfield so much, and Montgomery didn't have much of a chance to get anything going today, and that concerns me. Uh, but Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. The inability to establish a run, do you think that really just through Nagy's original game plan, you know, out the window. I'm assuming it had to alter it, but it did seem like a very skilled back game plan yet again. Yeah, I, w- I want to go see exactly what the Bears were doing on first or second down just to set them up even for third down or even if they were second and long situations because there just never seemed like there were those holes that we saw throughout the first two weeks from this Bears offensive line. This is two weeks now, Will where the offensive yep. line is taking a dip down in production. And no doubt, I think that the Bears anticipated they would have t- more than 28 yards on the ground rushing. And whatever was initially the game plan, maybe play action passes where Nick Foles can hit a deeper target, give him a little bit more time because that's where Foles does have um, some of his best attributes at. You couldn't really do that. The, the Colts knew you weren't really going to run it or they weren't really fearing it. So... Maybe play-action passes are now not as much of a focal point in this game. So, yeah, 27 yards for David Montgomery on 10 carries. And then I see, like, I, like you just look at the box score. Anytime you see negatives, I mean, that's always an indicator. Like, well, something didn't go right there. You have Nick Foles, obviously, the one uh, carry for negative one. Darnell Mooney had an end around for negative three. So any of those negative plays putting you behind the sticks, whether it's on first or third down, you're not gonna. You're not gonna be a good place to succeed and really run the offense that you wanted to. But going back to the offensive line, well, that that's right now. It's it's starting to scare me a bit because mm-hmm. maybe we were, they were they were gelling within the first two weeks. Teams are still trying to adapt. The, the you know limited training camp. I wonder if teams are now starting to figure it out with the Bears because we saw that with a bad defense in Atlanta and obviously a very good defense with the Colts. Polar opposites, but they're able to stop the run. Both the common denominators are stopping the run. So I I don't know how much confidence I have with this group now moving forward because they haven't shown me anything. And if they could take it out without well, – you have Cody Whitehair back in the backfield minus two yards. And, like, and that's happening consistently with other guys as well. That's an issue. And I don't know if that's coaching or if there's just a systemic kind of thing wrong there, but it's not good. 
or lack of weight room appearances, I think you said, like get a little yeah. bit stronger at the point of attack there. Like you don't have to walk them into the second level, but at least hold your ground. Don't get two yards back into the pocket like you mentioned. Yeah, with me, my confidence is dwindling. It's still early. We're only four games into this thing, but like it started off so high, and we had all the expectations for them to rebound from a poor year, and then it feels like every game they're just getting a little worse and a little worse. And I know the Colts are very tough up front. We knew that heading in, and I knew it was going to be tough, but this bad, like 1.8 yards per rush bad, I think that's that's unacceptable Like to the level of – I'm going to say suckitude. I'm going to make up a new word on the fly here. That's an unacceptable level of play from this offensive line today. And we even talked about uh, their pass protection today. They didn't help. You know, Nick Foles, he didn't get helped because they couldn't establish a run. So that's already, you know, problem number one. And then when he is asked to step back because it's a third and long, Charles Leno Jr. is like, hey, you want a free pass to my quarterback? You know, come at him. And he was getting hit a lot. He was only sacked once, but I believe the Colts got, they got five quarterback hits today. Uh, seven passes defense. Those seven passes defense, too, I think just show how good they are in coverage. And we talked about whether that's who they played in the past or are they actually that good because they came into the the game with almost like a top the NFL and passes defense. And they're really good at making every catch just so difficult for a receiver, a tight end, a running back. It doesn't matter. They make you fight uh, for everything. And unfortunately, I don't know if it's just uh, Bulls ball, Foles' ball placement, uh, the receiver's not being strong at the point of attack, but uh, it just seemed like the Colts were getting their hands on it as much as these Bears receivers were today. Yeah, absolutely, and that's an issue. And, you know, well, I think it's worth even talking about this is a new quarterback, obviously, with Nick Foles, and we saw the results of Mitch Trubisky through three and three-quarters of the game, but three, uh, 11 points. I keep thinking it's three when it really should be, but... Is this also just a naggy issue? Like, with the slow starts, not still not scoring in the third quarter. My bold prediction was way too bold for them to have any points in the third quarter. They couldn't do that again for the Bears. But, like, it's at some, what point, regardless of what quarterback they put in there, are we going to really look and blame Matt Nagy for this? I'm not saying I'm doing that right now, but and I know this is Nick Foles' first start, but if this continues... And this is the quarterback you wanted. There were other guys that were out there. They wanted Nick Foles because he could run the system and you could do a little bit more. But if this is going to be the similar outing that you have offensively, which I would hope it isn't, when are you going to turn to be like, well, maybe the problem isn't all the quarterbacks. And, again, it, it probably with Mitch it is, but there's got to be something else to it. It's not just always a quarterback that you can blame everything on. There's a lot of, like you mentioned, Charles Lone Jr., receivers not catching the ball. Miller maybe dropping that pass that gets intercepted. There's a lot that goes into it. But Matt Nagy, I feel like, always maybe get like escapes from the criticism a lot of the time because I think people think he's a very master, he's just a offensive mastermind. But we, we got to also look into him a little bit more for the blame of 11 points. Uh, you know, it's just obviously not enough. It's not, and I do believe that it's getting to the point. We we got really there last year, Nick, with his play calling and just not getting on board with it. And there's been what in the last three games prior, a couple of quarters where you're like, great, that's looking good. But outside of that, it's really hit or miss. And even today, they had what a third and eighteen. You're throwing a screen to Ted Ginn Jr., who doesn't even look like he wants to play. He's just like, I want nothing to do with uh, returning the football today. As soon as he catches the screen, he just kind of finds his way near the sideline yet again. 
You have a third and one later in the game, and you give it to Cordero Patterson. We already knew from last year that doesn't work. They had it a third and one earlier in the game. They gave it to David Montgomery. That works. You had a, what, your two-point conversion late in the game. You gave it to Montgomery. It worked again. I think you should know by now who your short yardage back is. Just saying. But there are those questionable decisions still that, you know, they're going to haunt me. Um, I do think today was a mix of poor execution um, as well as just flat play calling too. It just, when you can't run the ball, I know he's in a very tough spot. Uh, and that really doesn't put anyone in a good position. But, yeah, Nick, with you, you have to wonder if it's play calling. And also, it did, I thought today we were going to see the offense you know, open up a little bit. I didn't see anything that felt like that. It took forever to get a tight end involved. Jimmy Graham didn't have a catch until, like, what, the fourth quarter? And then he was able to get a few targets and a few catches on that no-huddle garbage-time drive. But still, it's... It's worrisome, Nick. We're supposed to have a decent... When the Bears defense, who we'll talk about later, only gives up 19 points, we shouldn't feel like it's a loss. Like anything under 20, you should feel like you have a good chance to win. And it was 19-3 to sitting out there towards the end of this game. And it just felt like all hope was gone because we gave up 19 points. That shouldn't happen. And I feel like that's been my story as a Bears fan my whole life. Yeah, no, exactly. When it got to... Even when it was just 16... Um, where the Colts had put it up, you're like, that's just too much almost at this point. Maybe with seeing the Bears' fourth quarter comebacks this year, it changed that narrative a little bit. But as soon as it got to 19, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that that's going to do it for the Bears. Like, they can't put up that many points. And any other, most other teams, if you only see 16 or 19, like, okay, we, this is a winnable game. And I know the clock is expiring, but... That is exactly what it's like being a Bears fan. You see 16 to 19 points, you're like, all right, we lost this. We can't come back from that. Way too much for you know the Bears' offense to overcome. But I completely agree. And, again, you mentioned the tight ends there, Will. Like, Demetrius Harris, I think, ended up getting a reception kind of early on. But the tight ends, for me, mm. have not been there at all whatsoever in terms of the productivity that I want to see. Jimmy Graham has been in the end zone a couple times. I get that. And that's where he's best suited. But overall... What the tight ends, what I was expecting, what I think a lot of Bears fans were expecting, fall way short of my expectations, and they don't even get enough targets. Cole Komet, you won't see him on the stat sheet because he didn't get targeted. He was he was on the, he played some snaps, can't tell you how many, but still, it's like you want to see more from that position. So important for Doug Pearson's offense, for Andy Reid's offense, Matt Nagy, no, not really. So it's just it seems so polar opposite to where the. The, his philosophy, his offensive philosophy comes from, they're doing pretty good. Well, the Eagles not so much, but you get what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah, you I should know use you your mean. tight ends. You should. And I think they try, and for some reason, defenses are easily being able to take it away. And that's what still concerns me, because they put in all the resources to find a much better tight end group. And I think we can all agree it has a lot more talent at the position, but for some reason, they can't tap into it. Cole Komet, is still really unable to find any role whatsoever in this offense. He had one target today. I wouldn't even call it a real target, but one target, didn't have a catch. He's still, I understand rookie tight end, but in this offense, you think he should be at least schemed for one play, give him a ball and just see what happens for crying out loud. It doesn't even look like they want to give him the football right now. And Jimmy Graham, I mean, yes, four catches, 33 yards, but they were just short, quick, Passes into the flat, run up the sideline, hurdle a guy, step out of bounds, call today. 
nothing down the seam, and the Colts run a lot of cover too. You're, you're, to, you're trying to beat them over the top of these linebackers, and you have guys who are six 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 seven, and you can't get it done. It's uh, it makes me want to pull my hair out a little bit, but yeah, Nick, it's I don't know. It's I I know the Colts are good, and I, I'm going to say I now I know they're good. This is a measuring stick game. I think the Colts proved their defense is very very tough very stingy um and I had a hunch it was going to be relatively that way but I didn't expect the offense to not be able to do anything at all and that's what concerns me on a short week too oh man like how are you make adjustments that quick I I don't know if they're looking ahead if they just overlooked the Colts and they just got a little bit overly confident but I don't, I don't think we can pinpoint what's wrong with this offense, but it just feels like there's a lot uh, between the offensive line, the receiver-quarterback connection, and just overall play-calling play calling situational awareness and just execution. There's not one thing where I would say, you know, that's Elise's silver lining. I have none of those throughout like any of my offensive notes, and that's alarming. The only thing I can think of is that Robinson finally won a one-on-one situation on the right sideline, but that's took again, him long garbage enough. time. It's exactly so. Here's what we also I think figured out. Well, we knew now we figured out the Colts are legit on defense. They really are. But I think we also figured out through four games this Bears offense. And I think I tweeted this maybe a week or two ago. It's broken. I think it really is broken because if you take look fourth quarter comebacks are great. They're fantastic. The Bears have broken records and they're in the record books for doing so. But look at all the other quarters of football. And you talked about Matt Nagy has a couple of drives where we're like, okay, that's good, that's good. That's a couple of drives, a game where there's multiple, multiple drives. This is almost this is almost entirely an entire game of just bad offensive football against a very good defense. But still, they're now they're regressing in offensive line play. That was the only thing they can hold their hats on. That's going down. Their quarterback plays dipped down tremendously from the third and fourth quarter that Nick Foles played last week. The receivers still are dropping passes, are not as much of a focal point. Tight ends are still not involved. You are down Tariq Cohen at running back. You you give David Montgomery 10 carries, he's not able to get much. So there's a lot wrong with this. And like you said, a quick turnaround for Tampa Bay on Thursday night. I don't think they can do all too much to really right this ship for Thursday. Yeah, and it's not like, I know they had a few penalties, and I know they had some negative plays, but there weren't. A ton of them. It wasn't like it was so negative that they shouldn't have been able to overcome it. I mean, if I'm going through my notes here, just looking at just third downs in general, you have a third and six, uh, bad pass, broken up. Uh, third and seven, a third and five, you can't get that. You can't get a third and seven again. You can't get a third and four. You can't get in third and one. So it's just like they just can't execute. Like they can kind of help themselves, but then when it comes down to make or break time, they break. Uh, it wasn't like they were moving backwards and you're seeing multiple third and longs. I think third and 18 was the only one I jotted down that was third and double digit yardage. So it's it's tough because it wasn't like the Colts had the Bears defense. And again, I, I, hate, I hate trying to keep spoiler alerting this, but they had nine tackles for a loss today. But the Colts found ways to overcome those negative situations with some good passes, getting running backs the ball in the flat. And we knew they were good at that, and we knew they were going to challenge the Bears linebackers. But I think the Colts, I mean, the Bears tried to as well, but the Colts' defense, like you said, they're so fast. They close in a hurry. They're a really sound tackling team, and they, they're really good at gang tackling. And everyone was running to the football. And the Bears, there were times where 
you see Montgomery going around the outside and you see the Charles Leno Jr., you see James Daniels, just like with my middle school team, just standing and watching the play kind of happen while there's like six Colts running at the football. And I'm like, you got to block someone. You have to keep your head up and find another white hat to block today. And they didn't do it. So to me, it's just a lot of everything. It's a hodgepodge, but really as much as it wasn't as much negative stuff today in terms of like going backwards, as much as just not being able to capitalize and putting yourself in a decent situation on a first and second down and overcoming that or just the make or break time, just not being able to execute on third down. So it's, I think execution and energy are going to be the two things that the Bears are lacking today on offense now that we talked it through. Yeah, big, I, I agree with that completely, and they better find it come third. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Tuesday night in prime time where they're going to get embarrassed. I mean, this is the 325 time slot. More people are able to watch this game and look what they showed out. So Thursday night, they better fix all these issues. And I'm finding it hard to believe that they can do so. Any other things you want to talk about offense? We didn't talk about individuals too much, which is fine. Because in a game like today, you don't get many individual performances we saw Robinson again seven catches 101 yards he finally got that touchdown finally won a one-on-one battle thank god it didn't call his incompletion a fumble by the way just knowing the Bears luck I was like yeah that's a fumble they're gonna just let it happen but I don't know Anthony Miller still hiding uh I know he's had a few splash plays week one last week as well but him just still what three catches today 16 yards I thought with Nick Foles, we're going to see Anthony Miller's role kind of blossom up a little bit, but that wasn't the case. And Darnell Mooney, his five catches, 52 yards were very quiet. Like I didn't, I had the one catch early that made me kind of excited, but the rest were just kind of there. And I think the offense just felt kind of there and nothing that got you (laughs) excited. And I'm sure they feel the same way. And I'm sure Nick, you do too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at this game as a whole, I don't know what what do you like you said actually earlier well you don't build off anything you look to really just scrap it all and try to improve if if anything because there's nothing that I think was positive like, no and you, when they're running the ball are do you feel like you know where they're going to run that ball it's an inside run they're going to do a zone kind of scheme and they're just trying to hit that b gap or the a gap and all the guys are sliding and it's the same thing every damn time. And they're not, where's the pin and pulls that we saw week one and those creatives, like the lead blocks. And I didn't see anything like that today. And I don't understand with the front seven, as strong as the Colts were, you don't have some extra tight ends pulling around and trying to get some power to the outside. Instead, you just want to try to spread them out a little bit and then run through some gaps when your guys are having a hard time sustaining blocks as it is. It just felt so it just I knew what was happening, Nick. And I don't know if you've had the same hunch, but it just felt so stupidly just it's obvious. You know what? I, I'm really glad that you brought this up, Will, because there's not much deception in, in the in the backfield. Like like you said, you know exactly what you're seeing is exactly where the Bears are intending to run the football. Even when they do run their jet motions and things like that, you I think there's a pretty good feeling when one of those guys running the jet motion are actually going to get the football. 
Other times, they're just doing it to see, again, if it's man coverage or zone. But you know exactly what this Bears offense wants to go, the direction they want to run in, what gap they want to run it in. And if you're as fast and athletic as the Colts are and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is, you could beat those linemen to their spots and just blow up plays. And that's why David Montgomery's having to fight two yards in the backfield to maybe get to the line of scrimmage or maybe even a yard. So it, I completely agree with you because every time the motions are run, you don't you you rarely ever see like any counter or anything like that or you know anything to where the defense has to think. And if the defense doesn't have to think, you can run downhill and play fast. Hey, you're going to get comments from me saying you need to hit the weight room because you're two yards in the backfield as offensive lineman. So I, I completely agree with you there. Juan Castillo's got a lot of work to do, and like I said, I am still very skeptical if he can actually get that done <laughs> i think know, I everyone's like... go ahead i'll just go ahead you can finish your thought no no i i i again i just don't know if it's going to happen is all bears fans are wondering nick is lamar miller the answer <laughs> uh <laughs> probably not but yeah i don't know what the bears are going to do there with the practice he's just on the practice squad as as of right now and the whole tyler bray situation was weird too leading up to this game but i don't know if he's the answer everybody I haven't seen one comment about him, but it just kind of crossed my mind. I was like, yeah, why not just throw it out there, see what sticks. But Nick, it's I understand with the fast defense, maybe trying to get to the perimeter, you feel like they're going to just be able to get out there, make a good tackle. They are a good tackling team, so you want to try to hit them up the middle. I thought power would have been an interesting move for them to attempt a little bit more today instead of just the zone because you can get the lead blocker. Uh, we saw Ryan all line up at fullback once, but you can get some JP Holtz back there. You can get some guys pulling into the formation and just see what happens. And I thought today, if they would have tried that, again, not saying it would have worked, but I think it would have given you a better chance because those guys in those one-on-one matchups that you get with the zone, they just weren't winning it. So that's kind of where I – and we saw that a lot week one against Detroit. They are doing a little bit of everything. And today it was like, let's just keep doing the same thing. It's not working. Try it again. It's not working. Let's just try it to the left. Okay, maybe we'll just try it to the right. Oh, no, it's still not working. We'll ditch it for a while. Okay, let's try it again. We're not going to run any differently. I don't know why they didn't have anything else either dialed up or what have you. But anything else on this offense? Going to do anything on third down? Uh, I, the 250 yards passing is very deceiving um, in my eyes uh, when I see that from Nick Foles. Um, and then on top of that, uh, the inability to run, uh, the poor the penalties when they arose uh charles leno jr we didn't even hip harp on him too much you want to rip him the shreds nick or is it just i think everyone knows just how much uh he struggled today yeah i mean justin houston i, I saw that as a matchup that i just didn't really like given that you know justin houston's not even on the field very often but he's still a good pass rusher and what Charles Leno Jr. was really wasn't doing really left Nick Foles in a bad position to one take some hits, not complete passes down the field, and really just showed that the tackles of the Bears it's not a good situation either. When you have a talented pass rusher on the opposite side of you, there's also times Bobby Massey is just getting blown up as well. But yeah, it was a matchup that I, I saw I kind of saw coming, given that Houston likes the lineup on that defense is right side against the offense's left and he's a veteran veteran pass rusher knows how to deceive these tackles to get them to commit so then he can just do a swim move or use power go underneath and that's what happened for a majority of the game and when the bears decided hey let's instead of running right edge let's go left edge 
Colts knew. They were there. They were rallying to the football. And, yeah, I don't think I need to harp on it too much. Charles Leno knows how he played. We all saw it. So that should be enough for given, like, the mistakes in this one. And just, again, going to the whole offensive line as a whole, just being bad. Yeah. I can't think of one player. Allen Robinson had a good game. Uh, I think great. But, again, very much in who cares time. And outside of that, I can't think of just one performance that stood out. And I was like, hey, that's a silver lining. I really can't. Nick Foles, 26-42, his, his accuracy was a lot of left to be desired. There were some small times when I was like, oh, look, he's leading a running back up the field. That's what we don't see out of Mitch. These are the things we need because he gave Montgomery a good opportunity to carry that ball up, get a first down, and just far few in between those kind of plays today for this entire Bears offense. But Nick, uh, if you don't mind, we can quit talking about the offense. Yeah, I'm done with it. (laughs) You really had to think hard. Yeah, no, no, I don't want to talk. Again, this is what the, the product was today. They have to fix this in four days, Will. Four days for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It scares me. It really does. Yeah, no, it, it it's uh it's bothersome. I don't even I'm struggling figuring out our podcast schedule for the next four days and getting us True. to do some shows and they have to fix a broken offense. So that'll be fun uh, for them. I don't envy uh, their position right now. But Nick, as bad as a product that the Bears were on the field today, uh, we do have a, a really cool product, an awesome product of some people that are fans of our show, um, some partners of ours, and that's the people at Manscaped who really do uh, want us as well as our listeners to take care of their balls. And I, I, do you want to let people know how they can uh, do that? Because I'm sure there's someone out there that uh, may want to or maybe even needs to. Yeah, unlike uh, the Bears offense, which is a bad product, like you mentioned, Will, Manscaped is amazing. So support for the Chicago Audible is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. I was fortunate enough to use a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, and let me tell you, the 18 months that the engineering team put into revamping the third generation trimmer, it's simply amazing. The Lawnmower 3.0 features advanced skin safe technology. It's waterproof and it has an LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Here's how you can get your hands on the Lawnmower 3.0 and all the amazing products offered at Manscaped. Head to manscaped.com and use the code TCA and you'll save 20% off and get free shipping. Again, Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TCA at manscaped.com. And one more time, that's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TCA. All right, good stuff there, Nick. Let's jump into the third quarter of the game here, and let's talk about the Chicago Bears defense. Overall today, Nick, as much as I would say there were moments where they too frustrated me, uh, unlike the offense, there are a lot of bright spots today. Uh, they allowed, uh, well, not allowed, they disallowed. They got nine tackles for a loss, like I mentioned, and they did force four three and outs in this game. And even though four three and outs is maybe typical for the Bears' defense on any given Sunday, what makes it impressive is coming into this game, the Colts did not have a single three and out on offense throughout the entire season, not just last week, but the three games prior. So, Nick, let's start off defense with a positive just because it was such a negative sour talk on the offense and I want to kind of 
maybe change her tune a little bit here. So what's a positive from the Bears defense that you're taking away after this game? You know, I think if we had to mention one player that I thought really improved in this game, I have to point to Bilal Nichols. I saw him making a lot of flash plays in this one against a good Colts offensive line. You saw number 98 in the backfield making tackles, rallying to the foot, to the ball carrier. And look, the, still, the Colts had some big big gains on the run in the run game, whether it was up the middle or on the edge. But I constantly saw number 98, which wasn't a thing, I would say, for a majority of the three games that uh, the Bears won. But seeing Bilal Nichols kind of take that step, and obviously it's just a game, but seeing that, I think, kind of gave me some confidence in where he can go with this. Knowing that he performed like this against a good Colts offensive line, knowing that the Colts were going to run the football, wanted to run the football with, with Taylor there, the rookie running back. But he was able to, I would say, more times than not, win that matchup or at least hold his own enough for maybe somebody else to rally and make a tackle. So definitely a positive Bilal Nichols play. And I'll have to dive into the tape a little bit more to see if, you know, there's going to be good and bad, but I really like seeing number 98 just making some plays for the defense today. Yeah, there were a couple plays where he got pushed out of position and they got some good gains in his direction, but he did have the two tackles for a loss today, uh, as well as another, I think, a tackle or two around the line of scrimmage. And like you, he is someone that I can pinpoint um, as a positive today just because he is someone that we've been waiting to see him play just a little bit better. Uh, Especially last year, he had that broken hand issue. Took him a little bit of time. We saw it in spurts in the first few weeks, but this is by far the most. I'll use the word dominant performance. I don't think that's a, a big stretch. Now, it wasn't a court, uh, start to finish dominant performance, but he did have his best game so far of this season. Um, another positive, I'll look at a linebacker here. I'll look at Roquan Smith. He was all over the field today. He had 13 tackles, three of them for Nick. He was firing into the backfield. He was getting sideline to sideline, and he was making sure uh, to wrap up some ball carriers today. I know that we have some uh, other concerns maybe when it comes to the safeties and their run support still that I'm sure you want to rehash yet again for the second straight week. But I thought Roquan Smith, his game uh, was one that uh, made me happy to see. And he is someone, Nick, on our preview show, I said, hey, we need to start seeing some really, really good things, some great things out of Roquan Smith. And I would say that even though his performance didn't like make your eyes pop out of your head, like that was amazing it's a really strong step in the right direction for the type of football player that we need him to be on this defense. So Roquan Smith was another bright spot overall. But, Nick, obviously it wasn't enough still today. Um, So what was it that you think uh, really kind of held this Bears defense back? I mean, they didn't do a bad job at stopping the run. They did give up 103 yards, but it took the Colts 38 attempts to do it. Only averaged 2.7 yards per carry themselves as a team. So I don't know if that was... You know, as the volume wasn't the concern, but I do think when they got the big runs, to me, is when uh, is where I do get concerned. Yeah, that's where you get concerned. But I'm also thinking why those big runs are kind of happening. And you mentioned it earlier. Some of these defenders, specifically some of those safeties, Eddie Jackson to Sean Gibson, with the poor run angles. This is another week again from a from the Falcons game where you consistently see this and. I would say, I will say this, at the end of the game, they got better. Those guys were definitely making plays inside the box of both Ajax and Tashawn Gibson. But early on, you saw it rear its ugly head again. And I miss, I, I accidentally thought it was um, 
Jalen Johnson missing a tackle. That was just me maybe glancing over it. But it was really, guess what? It was Eddie Jackson again mm-hmm. coming up missing on run support. But it's, again, something that I don't know if the, they just don't value it as much. They only see interceptions as maybe the, the bigger bigger kind of takeaway that they want to be you know good at. And obviously that's a huge part of the playing defense and being a good defensive back. But you still have to be able to tackle, still have to make the proper angles at a running back or a ball carrier. And I saw it again. So that's something that needs to improve. That's why these running backs are able to get out to the edge and get. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Those maybe two additional yards, but maybe only needed one to get a first down. So you can't have that consistently. And just, I'm not saying they're a liability out there, but it is concerning. Now, it's the second week that I've seen this happen. And for these Bears safeties that are veterans, and Ajaxon is, you know, in always the talks of being considered the best safety in the league. Come on. I need to see that. You can't get also mossed by T.Y. Hilton. Like, that's that can't happen. Like, T.Y. Hilton's a smaller receiver, and A. Jackson's getting out played by him. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me and my – I don't know if I'm just going after these bare safeties, but they have not lived up to my expectations thus far. Well, when Eddie Jackson is supposed to be one of the best safeties, I think anytime he has – a down game or a couple down games or just some bad plays in general. And if those are the ones to remember, I think it's fair uh, to make sure, Hey, you're bringing them up. And I think we can hold him to a high standard. So it's okay to do that. Uh, going back to Roquan, it wasn't a really early on in this game. I thought it was going to be a day where he's going to struggle. Uh, he missed a, a tackle in the flat uh, on a running back. Yeah, I think he did that a couple of times. And then there was a big third down uh, one of the early drives and he had a one-on-one, uh, with their tight end Doyle, and with this wasn't able to make a play in the football there. You can tell he got a little pissed off by it. And then afterwards is when he started to kind of get locked in, and he almost had that picnic. I mean, that thing, if he would able to get that foot just about three inches to his left, that would have been one of the, you know, that would have been on maybe Sports Center in top 10 for, like, that kind of interception. Like, that was a really athletic play by him. And I thought that was an easy touchdown when I saw that ball leave Rivers' hands. And I was like, Oh, like you didn't even see Roquan. He kind of flew in on the bottom of the screen. I had no idea he was there, and he almost came away with one. That was really, uh, really interesting to see as well. Uh, I know we want to talk about mostly everyone here, but something that made me laugh, and uh, we can talk about it, was the struggles, uh, and particularly early on, from the outside cornerbacks. Because in the post-preview show, we were like, we're worried about the linebackers. We're worried about the safeties, the interior defensive line. But these two guys on the outside, they have a down pat. We're not worried whatsoever. And then Kyle Fuller, very first drive. He gets that very soft, by the way. Uh, P.I. call on him. A few plays later, he's beat by the tight end, Allie Cox, on a crossing route for that touchdown. Jalen Johnson, he allowed a really big third down grab on that very first series as well that allowed the Colts to get into the red zone. And it's just like, oh, maybe we should have been a little bit concerned. Uh, what are your thoughts? I thought both rebounded all right. Um, but early on in that first drive, uh, in particular, again, uh, had me hold my breath a little bit because I was like, wait, they were supposed to be the non-factor. They were supposed to be the ones that we're confident in. And then when they started to struggle, I got pretty concerned. Yeah, no, seeing that, and 
I was thinking the same exact thing, Well, given that what we talked about in the preview show, we, we felt really confident about this group. But you can't have, I think Kyle Fuller ended up having two pass interference calls in that game against the Colts. And when you have Mo Cox beat you on a drag route and Kyle Fuller is just trailing, that's I, I don't see how that, that's supposed to happen. If he's the one in coverage on there, that's a huge tight end. He should be, if he's going to make the catch, which he, he obviously did, you need to be right there to wrap him up to at least give that defense an opportunity to force a field goal. Obviously, that didn't happen. And then with with Jalen Johnson, I, it, I think it was just a really good route by the wide receivers, kind of a double move to go up the field, back in, and then go out to the corner. Jalen Johnson just kind of lost exactly where he was at and gave up the completion. It's going to happen for a rookie corner, but I expected a little bit more out of Kyle Fuller, especially in the beginning, but I do agree with you. As the game went on, and you see just the stats from the Colts wide receivers, nobody had a big day. Not not by any means anybody had a big day. Pascal, who I don't even know if we really mentioned on the preview show, three receptions, 58 yards. That was the most out of any Colts receiver, tight end, running back. But we did expect more from these DBs. Even Buster's screen uh, was getting beat on a one-on-one situation. Mm-hmm. I think it was two Pascal, actually, um, you know, for, for key, key receptions in the game. So... It's uh, not something that we accounted for, but that so if that doesn't go that Bears way on defense, and they only gave up 19 points, then you could see why the Colts had the better day offensively than the Bears. If we thought their best, the best part of this Bears defense so far was the secondary, the Colts kind of took advantage a little early on, and that was really all they needed for the rest of the game because the Colts off or the Bears offense wasn't going to rebound and do anything to really make this a game. Nope, they really weren't whatsoever. And again, it's not the volume that the Bears defense let up. It's when it happened, just like with the offense, too, um, a little bit that way. But, yeah, they allowed too many third downs, and they were getting themselves, and the Colts were, did a good job of getting themselves in some third and manageable. I see a lot in the single digits, uh, fourth and two, and third and two, and it's just things like that. Or Again, whenever you get yourself in a good spot, the Bears – didn't, weren't able to hold up what the Colts got you said they were the Colts were the worst third down team entering and they finished at about a little under 50 percent which at the end of the day usually is good enough but when you have a team like the Colts that were only converting at about less than one third of their third downs entering this game uh, that was slightly alarming at least for me and I know that allowed them to extend some of these drives and keep the ball away from the Bears offense which Bears offense needed every opportunity in the world just to move a yard so it's one of those where it definitely all adds up and Nick when you're looking at the defensive front Akeem Hicks also had a very strong game uh, we can I don't we can go most weeks with saying that but we want to make sure it doesn't fly under the radar he had that tackle for a loss he also had a couple hits on Rivers as well which is I think out of the team, we had three QB hits, and uh, he had two of them. And I believe Urban had the other, but his was a sack. So the other times we're getting pressure and actually knocking down rivers, you see Akeem Hicks there. When you're looking at the edges, Cleo Mack, Robert Quinn, uh, I know every week it's like if you feel like Cleo Mack's absent and when you watch the film, you find out he had a little bit more impact than what you actually thought here immediately after the game. Uh, Do you think that's going to be the case this week? Ooh, I think it's going to be close, Will. I think this is going to be a little bit closer to where the – I don't want to say the lack of Cleo Mack's presence because, like you just mentioned, it, it may not just show up on the statue, but when you see maybe the Colts are running the opposite way or whatever it may be, you see the presence of Cleo Mack. But this one, I guess there wasn't as many 
of those those plays that you could just remember immediately. The only play that comes to no, mind is obviously the draft interception. <laughs> yeah, yep. the draft interception. But I think it'll be close. I still think that Khalil Mack had a better, or an okay day. To his standards, not good enough. But when you when we go back and watch, it was still a good day from him. But Robert Quinn, I didn't really see much from him at all this game. It was not apparent that he was making him his presence felt just his one move is speed if you can somehow manage to you know disrupt that pass rush just the angle to where he's trying to get to the quarterback you're gonna stop Robert Quinn and look he's made a living off of that and it's really worked you know up to this point but he really wasn't wasn't there Mingo was actually the one that hit the the pass that deflected and Cleo Mack dropped so you saw that but not enough from Mingo or Robert Quinn in this one for me. Yeah, I mean Quinn, they paid him a lot of money uh, to get after quarterbacks. I know in his debut, he had when he was on a pitch count, he did a decent job of that, uh, limited reps, but he was at getting after the quarterback there week two against the Giants, and last week a little bit, but not too much. And today, very much just missing in action. I think he got credited with a tackle, but like you, Nick, it wasn't like I thought he made Philip Rivers sweat any bullets back there or even have to worry about him. And I know the Colts have a decent offensive line. Rivers was pressured like the least amount in the NFL, and it's a tough test. But this is why you pay so much for a guy, because he's supposed to overcome these kind of obstacles. He's supposed to be that difference maker no matter who the offensive line is in front of him. And we didn't see that out of really either of the two starting outside linebackers today. And like you said, uh, when you get a little bit of a pressure and you get a hand on the ball, it actually ends up being your third guy uh, in the rotation. So that's good for the guy, good for Mingo, but unfortunate uh, for the other two for not making their presence felt just a little bit more. Uh, anyone else that you wanted to highlight here um, on this Bears defense today? You know, I think James Vodders actually had one or two decent plays when you look back at it. He made yeah, a I remember tackle a couple. on... Right. So, you know, seeing him using his opportunities to the best of his ability and making plays is only a, a good way of staying on the field consistently. And Pagano just trusting him a little bit more. But other than that, Will, there really wasn't. They played. Look, I'll say this overall, though. They played well. No doubt in my mind, they played well enough to win this football game. Given if you give put any other, almost any other offense out there, I think the Bears would have found a way to win. But. Giving up 19 points, only one touchdown, the rest field goals should give you the best option to win a football game. But that just wasn't the case, and that's a reoccurring issue, whether it's with Matt Nagy or whatever Bears coach in their, you know, the Bears past teams. It's just something that we're, we're accustomed to seeing, unfortunately. It is. No, it really is. When you're looking at this rest of this defense, uh, just one more player I want to mention real quick, uh, Mario Edwards. Uh, he had two plays in a row that one was good, and I dotted it down. I was like, oh, cool. I get to add him to my notes. And then he followed up with a bad one. So um, on one, they tried running to the outside. The Colts did. He got some good push. He was holding his ground. He forced the running back to cut it back up towards the middle. And that's where you got Roquan Smith able to kind of gobble him up in the backfield for a tackle for a loss. Then on the next play is when you see Edwards himself kind of get swallowed into the play. A big hole opened up to his gap. And then they got a decent run right after that. So that was just funny to be like, hey, I get a put Edwards down and then the very next play it's a negative I'm like well he gets to be down twice and they're going to cancel each other out but uh Nick speaking of guys and maybe canceling out I don't know what that means but uh Danny Trevathan uh he had last week one of his better games it's about the best game so far this season is he still trending in the right direction do you think he's out there a lot today uh didn't see anything overly 
ultra positive, but it wasn't like the same negative, negative stuff that we've seen throughout the earlier portion of the season. Yeah, so I know I had him jotted down for a good run stop on you know one of the defensive plays, but I think the bigger takeaway is that I didn't have him anything for giving up you know a big play mm-hmm. for this Colts offense. So for him, that is trending in the right direction, and I'm look I'm curious to see where the snap counts were at because I don't remember seeing Deion Bush out there as much. Given that the Colts were going to run the football, I think the Bears felt comfortable and that more comfortable with Danny Trevathan being the guy out there. So. For me, initial takeaways after this game, it was better for a, a better day for Trevathan. But look, it's not where we want him to be, where we know he can play at, maybe can play at. But given what he did in the first two weeks, this is a step in the right direction, or he's just on the exact same path that he was after game three. Well, he also had a couple good pressures coming off of a blitz that helped force uh, some negative plays for Indianapolis as well. Uh, two blitzes in a row kind of came in there. Again, maybe he doesn't have the closing speed uh, that we once saw out of him, but he did get some pressure on Rivers, which has been hard to get this year. Um, and coming in as that extra blitzer, he, we know he has those subtle nuances of blitzing. He knows how to time it. He knows how to wait for the offensive lineman to shift and then see the gap open and shoot it. Uh, we saw that again here today, and that's something that reminded me of the Trevathan of old. Again, I think maybe the Trevathan last year, the season before, maybe comes away with a sack on one of those, but still enough pressure to force a bad throw. And sometimes those could be, I'm not going to say as good as a sack, but you'd still accept them, and they can still be equally as damning for an offense if you force a bad enough throw that gets intercepted. But uh, outside of that, Nick, I think we hit on the third downs. Uh, the Bears' inability to come away with a turnover today with Phillip Rivers was unfortunate he is someone that he had three interceptions coming into the game against defenses that weren't even close to the same level that the Bears are but the Mac had the one he was unable to come away with it and the Colts found a way to take care of the football today Uh, they didn't put it on the ground Rivers made some really good decisions and didn't give the Bears many opportunities to come away with it but also Nick those receivers were winning some of those 50-50 balls as well and we've seen that on both sides the Bears offense losing those battles and right now as well the Bears defense losing those battles and we have to find a way for each side to start winning those at least sometimes right yeah you would think and I think every game that the Bears play and look they only gave up 19 in this one it just it seems like further and further away that 2018 defense is because there's times where you're like oh Eddie Jackson he wouldn't get mossed from by T.Y. Hilton uh, Roquan Smith would have, you know, caught that interception in bounds and not his foot wouldn't have been there. Mac would have made the, you know, the interception. So it's like every day that passes by seem like that seems like a distant long memory. And now we're just left with this unit. It just doesn't seem as ferocious, um, as high flying as fundamentally sound. And until they just dominate, completely dominate a game. Look, they played, like I said, they played a good enough game for most other teams to win this one but we haven't seen a dominant performance and I think it's been actually quite a while since we've seen a dominant performance probably I think you always mentioned what will uh week four last year against like I think that's the Minnesota Vikings if I'm not mistaken where they looked good there's a lot of great plays just within that game that's the game Trubisky gets injured Daniel has to take over but that was I think the last one I can point to to where the Bears defense was nearly dominant against an opponent and like that's a long time ago, obviously. So yeah, it's just every day that goes by or every game that gets played, further and further the 2018 defense becomes a distant memory. 
Yeah, I can't remember anyone sooner than that, which is like off the top of my head, which is very unfortunate. I was hoping to be like, no, it has to be. I, I came up with a blank in my head. Uh, just looking through uh, Twitter here while you're talking. Uh, How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Philip Rivers said that he thought that he brought more energy than the Bears had. And I think that's 100% accurate. We saw that on the sidelines. And I think it goes, I think he's saying what we saw. And that's that the Bears, as a team, were just very flat. No energy. And I don't. I know there's no fans in Soldier Field. Other stadiums get minimal fans. I don't know how much they boost or not. But the Bears have to find a way to create their own energy. Uh, I have this same issue with my middle school team. They're a very meek team they don't like to get pumped up or they don't pump themselves up so we have to try as coaches to do that but the bears they need to find a way to get juiced and get ready for a game and not just go through the status quo and it's another week at the job it needs to be this is a game let's have some fun and let's you know let's let's smash mouths football let's go ahead let's go out there and get it we're not seeing it uh at least we didn't see it here today uh we did you did mention Dion bush uh, i know he exited the game with a hamstring injury um, if he's unable to suit up for a while, I know it's not like the world's biggest impact, but that does test uh, the Bears' safety depth with uh, McManus being out, the Bush now the hamstring. Uh, I know they lost uh, Marquis Christian as well, who was supposed to be on their practice squad. So I don't know. Again, I don't think we need to harp on it too much, but I would say that is something to kind of keep an eye on would be that safety depth if Bush does have to miss some time. Yeah, no, definitely something worth monitoring is, Tampa Bay likes to throw the football with Tom Brady there. Obviously, they can they can run it as well pretty efficiently, but you want to have a guy that you can at least count on if if need be. And if Dion Bush, Dion Bush has to miss time, obviously makes things a little bit more difficult. But going back to like the element of where Rivers felt like he was more you know energetic, you also saw that in the Colts sideline. Wherever there was a Bears player on that side, they you could hear them through the television just yelling, amped up, and then on the Bears sideline crickets quiet i think the most um energetic moment was after jimmy graham jumped over to the fender you could see him kind of talking himself up and that's what he does and i do really like that about jimmy graham but that's the only moment i can really pinpoint to to where the bears there was there was excitement there was energy there was you know they looked like they were having fun or at least jimmy graham did but other than that it it was really one-sided in terms of the energy at soldier field and it went in the colts favor which just that sentence sounds wrong, but it was right, which is unfortunate. It is. And again, the Bears need to find a way to change that. They need to find a way to tap into the same kind of fun they had in 2018. Honestly, I know that it helps when you're winning. Well, I mean, they've been winning, so they should have been that behind them. And turnovers and those big plays help, but they got to find a way to do it out of the gate, quit coming out of the game flat, and also halftime flat because each time. Uh, it's not really putting this team in a good position to win. But, Nick, let's move on to the fourth quarter of our show. And uh, let's begin with our quick hit on special teams. Uh, I know they had the block punt to start things off, which is awesome to see. you got to love uh, whenever you get a block punt. And you only get that thing of, like, what, 20 yards or so. So you give the Colts short field position uh, to start this one off. And I think special teams had 
half of the Bears penalties. I believe they were accredited for four today. Yeah, it sounds about right. Whether it was a holding or a legal block in the back, um, Bears special teams unit was in full force committing their their penalties today. But just looking at away aside from the penalties, Ted Gidd Jr. as a punt returner does not that's that shouldn't be a thing anymore. Let's let's cancel that. That's done with. It just didn't seem like he really wants to be out there. I, I don't know, like much of the Bears team today against the Colts, but especially when you're look he called a fair catch and the Colts player ended up catching it like he didn't even make an attempt to go that way to catch the fair catch so I think that just shows how much Ted Ginn Jr. is invested in doing that aspect of his job being on the Bears but I like I said I I would like to see somebody else uh you know on the preview show I said A. Jackson but if it's maybe Darnell Mooney can can do that I know he did a little bit a little bit of that at uh Tulane so I don't know, get somebody that can create a spark and going one more time to um, the other side there, kick return. Patterson had some questionable, I think, takeouts from deep within his end zone. I know he's just trying to create a spark. That's what he does. But sometimes you just got to know when to take the knee and you know give the offense a better opportunity to start at the you know 25 as opposed to, what, the 18 or wherever he gets tackled. So, yeah, it's a quick hit for me on what happened today on special teams. There you go. I don't know if I need to add anything. It's Bears special teams. We know what it is. Um, but like you, uh, I think Ted Ginn Jr., who was once a pretty good punt returner in the NFL, I think he's feeling like, you know, I'm a little older. I don't think I want to take those kind of hits. Uh, I'm just gonna, I mean, literally, as soon as he cut the ball, he tried to go as sideways as possible, it felt like, without it being obvious. He's like, I'll slightly skewer forward. Maybe I'll gain four or five yards and no one touch me, please. Yeah, like you said. So I don't know. Well, I'm confused why they even have a depth chart and say that Mooney's going to be the punt returner or Miller is your second punt returner. And then you come to a game time, like, no, it's going to be Ted again, Jr., guys. We're just kidding. And that kind of flattened me just even thinking about it when I saw that report come out. And I was like, no, that's not good. Uh, outside of that, <laughs> special teams, just the penalties, man. I mean, that's the big one. Like boneheaded penalties, holdings. You can't have a Bears punt without a penalty, it feels like, or a punt return. It just feels like every time they're getting called for something and – that's about it. I saw a nice big hit from DHC on special teams, and you don't hear that or see that too often. That may have been the only other time I saw a little bit of energy uh, from this Bears team, maybe. You know, Patterson actually had a – where he had to run in pursuit for the punt returner. And we know Patterson's one of the better gunners in the league. So, And, you know, I think it was Josh Woods came up to him, hit him in the helmet there, like trying to, again, amp up that Bears special teams unit. But, yeah, there weren't many moments – like that at all throughout this game nope not whatsoever so nick before we talk about who our mvb choice is uh and also we got to call an audible which i would probably say just getting out of bed and starting this sunday maybe the moment <laughs> i would like to change today after watching this game uh before we actually call the audible do you want to let people know how they can help us out and help themselves out by uh getting their free trial for amazon's audible yeah, as a lot of you, uh, the listeners know, I, I love Audible. It's such a great service um, from their exclusive Audible originals to their A-list comedies and, of course, their amazing audio books. Audible has everything a consumer could want. So and you can try Audible out for yourself with a 30-day free trial, and that includes a free audio book. And if you're an Amazon Prime men- member, you get an additional audio book as well of your choice. So there's plenty of options and you really look at those exclusive Audible originals. Those are ob- they're just really good ones, and you should definitely look into them. 
But you could do that by heading to chicagoaudible.com slash Amazon and try out your 30-day free trial. Again, that is chicagoaudible.com slash Amazon. There we go, Nick. Now for the bigger question is what would be the moment you would change? I think for me it would be Khalil Mack's dropped interception. Uh, when you have that, the Bears would have been pretty much right there at the red zone, uh, knocking on the door. Maybe they get a touchdown there, and that changes the whole just emotion of this game. Maybe that gives them that spark that we're saying they're missing. That gives them that kind of energy. And it was so early in the game where could have put a lot of momentum in the Bears' favor early, which the Bears have had a hard time getting any early momentum, as we know. And, yeah, this offense needed – all the help it can get is getting close to the end zone, so that would have helped. So for me, if I can change anything and go back, Cleo Mack would have been able to hold on to that uh, tip ball for the interception, and from there, maybe we could have had a different outcome. I think there would have been, not that it would have been 100%, but I bet you the, the odds would have been a lot closer in the Bears' favor. How about you? Yeah, if I had to call an audible in this game, change the outcome of a certain play, it would probably be the interception that Nick Foles threw when he was targeting Anthony Miller. The Bears' third and 10 play at the Indianapolis 26-yard line where the play occurred. And I don't know if that's out of the reach a little bit too much for Anthony Miller or if it's just going to go down as another drop for Anthony Miller. I have to go back and see it a little bit more to make a clear decision on that but if it's even a little if the pass is maybe just a little bit closer to Anthony Miller's body maybe corrals the catch we could see what that Bears offense could do given that they're now in striking distance and you said well there were a lot of opportunities that this Bears offense had but the game I I don't even know what the the score was still 16-3 at that point there was 10-59 left in the fourth quarter Maybe that sparks a rally, and you could see what this Bears offense or you know defense on the next possession can do. But yeah, maybe that's one play. Had it gone in the Bears' favor, does that swing momentum for a positive outcome for this one? But yeah, there weren't a lot of plays that I said definitely could have said if we switch this, better things would happen. Nah, the Bears just didn't put themselves in positions to even have that this game. All right, but now at least you understand why I made that my monster moment. Yeah, no, I completely get it. I, I. Again, there weren't a lot of those moments either. So it's like that's this whole game just is representative of what the Bears couldn't do, which is much of anything. Now, to make it even probably more difficult, Nick, who's gonna be your MVB? Uh I don't there's been a few games we've been doing this for years, and I can only count a couple of additional games that feel more difficult to choose an MVB than this. Like I don't know who is deserving of MVB because I feel like I'm all three phases, I, I just like that. I think it has to go to a defender if, if I'm just spitballing here. But even then, it wasn't like anyone had a dominant enough performance to even change the outcome. They just had a decent day. But I'm just stalling to give you some time. Uh, did I do enough? Yeah, you definitely did enough. And I could go a defender here. Like I talked to Bilal Nichols, I really liked what I saw from him. You could look at the statue and maybe Alan, is Allen Robinson deserving? Do you account for what he did in that garbage time, the seven receptions, 101 yards, and the touchdown? Is Was he the most dominant player for the Bears? Maybe. But, you know, I'll actually give it to, yeah, I'll go back to Bilal Nichols. I liked really what he was able to do in this one. I was going to give it to Roquan Smith, actually. I think just looking overall at, for from the entire game, I think he did play, you know, a what you were kind of looking for, Will, a little bit closer to it one of those dominant performances it wasn't maybe quite there but it was getting closer in that direction but i'll still give it to 
Bilal Nichols and what he was able to do just being someone that I at least noticed this game. And in a game where everything, there wasn't a lot of, like we were just talking about earlier, moments that you remember, I do remember seeing number 98 make some splash plays. There you go. And you mentioned Roquan. That's where I'm going to go with the 13 tackles, three for a loss, sideline to sideline kind of performance. And yeah, he gave up a big play, maybe a couple early, but he rebounded from that. And he wasn't sticking on blocks as much as we saw in weeks past. And I mean, that's it. And it's early week, week MVB. And that's just the type of game that we saw. I can't think of any reason why Foles would get it. Anyone on offense at all would get it. Again, even Roquan, like as good as the day as it was, and even for Bilal Nichols, as good as the day as it was, it didn't really impact impact the game. It didn't change any momentum. It wasn't a dominant performance that we're going to even remember in a week or two. It was just, it was just good, and that's the best the Bears got today were a couple good performances from some decent football players, and I think that's where we kind of stand. Yeah, that's that's where the problem lies there. Well, good performances from. Obviously not a very good day for the Bears, and now we'll have to see. And we'll probably talk about this in our two-minute warning. Yeah, we sure will. And usually, Nick, at this time, I'm checking the chat, and you get a bunch of MVB throws in there. Like, hey, this person and that player. Cricket. So people are feeling it, too. <laughs> uh, just like, yeah, I don't know. It does, doesn't even matter, guys. But we have to do it. Uh, we make sure we do it each and every episode. Uh, Nick, so before we start our two-minute warning, do you want to let people know how they can support our show? Because every preview show, we do some shout-outs for some of our loyal listeners, some people that support us, and we do that on our preview shows, just making sure everyone listening understands that first. Um, But do you want to let people know how they can donate to us, help support our show, and then they can get that shout-out in return? Yeah, absolutely. We actually have a shout-out queued up for the preview show, so looking forward to doing that. Um, but if you want to get a shout-out on that preview show, which I think Will is probably going to be on a Tuesday. I know we haven't really talked about it, but given the week, game week, we'll see what happens. So it's going to be it's going to be relatively soon, so just be on the lookout for that. But if you want to get a shout-out on the next podcast, all you have to do, um, if you're able to, is just send a donation to us and anything. Will and I will greatly appreciate it, and we accept donations through Venmo and PayPal. And here's how you can send a donation if you want to do it through Venmo. It's at the Chicago Audible. You should see my name, the Chicago Audible logo as well. And if you want to send the donation through PayPal, you can go to www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And these donations really, they, they help support us in this podcast. We pay for the microphones, the software, the recording equipment, all the stuff that you see that goes into making this show what it is today and it gets broadcast to the thousands and thousands of fans that listen to across the world. That's, you know, usually comes out of our pocket and this is just a way to show support for us and, you know, to give you guys a shout shout out on the next podcast, which comes out on the preview shows. But one last time for Venmo, it's at the Chicago audible and for PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Good stuff there, Nick. It's time to shift into our two minute warning. This is where we, kind of wrap up all of our thoughts in the game, put it in a season-long perspective, and (laughs) a day like today, just get the heck out and uh, call it a podcast episode. So for me, Nick, I'll kick things off. I feel like I've been deferring over to you in this last quarter, so I'll I'll own this one, start off with the two-minute warning here, and uh, I'll just begin with just reiterating how disappointed I am from the effort that we... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants They all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I saw from this team today, from the first to the final whistle, it just wasn't there. I'm disappointed by the fact that uh, the spark that Nick Foles was able to provide this team, that lift, that energy that he did in the fourth quarter in Atlanta, was unable to be carried from week over to week. And Matt Nagy's decision to uh, bench Mitch to give this offense a spark, this team a spark, was very much short-lived. I was hoping they could at least ride that high just a little bit longer. I know those things always come back down to earth, but it came real quick, and they crashed down pretty hard. Uh, the Bears' inability to run the football today against, again, a good front seven, that's inexcusable. They should be able to average not not 1.8 yards per rush. They should at least be able to average four yards per carry with the offensive line that they have, you would hope, um, as what no matter who they're playing. Again, they don't need to put up 100 plus yards on the ground, but they can't average less than two yards every time they hand that football off. It's just really um, unacceptable. And when you're looking at the rest of the offense, again, looking for guys to step up, give this team some energy, come away with some big plays, and Matt Nagy needs to continue to work himself as a play caller. I think he needs to look at himself very critically after a game like today and see what he can do in a very short week uh, to turn things around and get this team prepared for Tampa Bay, which is not going to be I'm a slouch of opponent in their own right. Defensively, again, Nick, you and I said it. They gave up 19 points. That should be enough. Uh, unfortunately, right now for this Bears team, it's not. It hasn't been uh, for almost feels like three years. Um, this hasn't been, okay, maybe even more than that when, when I say it. Uh, so for me, it's the fact that it's not enough, still very disconcerting. It's too normal now and I wish it wasn't I think we just kind of accept it for what it is when we should still be all wanting more uh, from this offense to help out the defense and it's just same song same tune different week and I'm just tired of having to say that I'm sure you listening as well are tired of watching that unfold for yourself so Bears are now three and one they're not in a terrible position still. It's one week. They can turn things around. I think today, as we mentioned in the preview show, was a measuring stick of performance. I think today we learned that the Colts are a good football team. The Colts are a team that you shouldn't take lightly. And then the other side of the equation, uh, the Bears, they may not be that good. <laughs> we need to figure <laughs> it out. I mean, defensively, I think we know we have a pretty pretty decent unit, despite the fact that we still have some concerns there. Maybe they're not as dominant as they used to be, but they're still good. Maybe still very, very good. But offensively, it's, what, different quarterback, same result? And I know we saw that we heard that throughout training camp. It was very 50-50, and no one pulled away. I think we saw a little bit of that today, and hopefully that changes. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those where I wish I can put a bow on it and say it's just one week. We'll get back to it, Tampa Bay, and we'll take care of business. But I think I'd be lying to you if I felt that way. So I hope for the best in a few days, but I just don't. I'm very curious to see how this Bears team responds. And they can respond in a couple of different ways. And I'm hoping they come to Thursday night with energy, hungry, focused, and want to play some football. All three things that we did not see this afternoon, this late afternoon on the flex game uh, versus the Colts. So three and one, I think Nick, you and I heading into the season three and one would have been a pretty, a pretty good start that we would have accepted. I think how it's happened definitely has us rolling back a little bit, but uh, still three and one at the end of the day, which is something that gets me excited yet 
skeptical uh, would be the two words that'll wrap things up here. How about you, Nick? What's going to be your two minute warning to kind of close the show? Yeah, I told my girlfriend going into this podcast I was going to reference Toy Story 3 in the scene where Woody's carrying Forky. And he says, I I know what you are. Like, we're both trash. And after watching the Bears' offense and seeing now that this is Nick Foles at the helm and seeing what Mitch was able to do through three games, that's basically what it is right now. The offense is still trash. They're still trying to figure out a lot of things. There's a lot of miscues happening on the offensive line. Uh, quarterback's still missing passes. Wide receivers are still dropping footballs. The play calling is still questionable at this point. And defensively, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we haven't seen a dominant performance. Still good enough, like I mentioned, to win this football game. But against Tampa Bay come Thursday, you can't just play a quarter of football. It needs to be a full game. And the Bears are still looking to score points in the third quarter. And that's still something that, given how this offense played, I don't know when that's going to happen. So a lot needs to be fixed. They have a limited amount of time. I don't know if they're going to make that happen. They can. They started off prior to that 325 kickoff, an undefeated football team, but come by Thursday around 10 o'clock, easily could be 3-2. and two. And now we're having real, I guess, talking points of where this season can technically go. They have a lot to fix, and like I've been mentioning throughout the podcast, I don't know if they're capable of addressing all the problems that I saw in this, this Colts loss today. So... They have a lot to work with. We'll see what kind of Bears team can come out prime time at Soldier Field again against a good opponent with with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But like I said, I have to see it before I, I kind of believe it. Right now, it's three and one team. They they're not playing like they're a three and one team though. There is one stat correction for you out of everything you mentioned. Uh, Forky was in Toy Story four and not three. That's right, and wow, I'm surprised I did I didn't even call that. <laughs> but uh, that scene just represents exact. I wanted to tweet it. So it's bad. Like, I'm like, man, if Nick Foles throws another interception here as they're coming back, I'm so going to tweet this out about the offense. But yeah, that is right. There are four Toy Stories. Or is there another one? I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Not yet. Not give it I another know. decade. That's right. That's how long these movies come out. But give, it's still trash. It needs to get fixed. Thank you, Will. You're welcome. Hey, no problem. Got to make sure we're holding each other accountable here. You do it to me. I'll do it right back at you. But I want to thank everyone who tuned in to this show. Um, I know the final score wasn't what any of us really wanted to see. Maybe it's what some of us envisioned. Um, I and I expected a low-scoring game, like I said, in the top of the show, like I said in the preview. Nick, you did as well, but didn't expect the Bears' offense to barely get to double digits. And honestly, only had a field goal. I think it took them 58 and a half minutes to find the end zone to just put it all into perspective here at the end. But even though it wasn't what we all expected, I wanted to just show you my appreciation uh, for getting onto the show and listening to Nick and I talk about this game. I'm excited to get my thank you cards in the mail so I can write you all the, the ones that emailed me at will at chicagoaudible.com uh, requesting a thank you card for our 500th episode that aired about a week ago now. I have a lot of you queued up. Uh, I have everyone in a nice orderly Excel spreadsheet so I know exactly who I'm writing to, where it's going, and uh, just waiting for the cards to get here and uh, doing some wrist curls as well to kind of get uh, myself prepared for this one. Uh, make sure if you haven't yet to subscribe to our channel uh, that we can get notification each and every time that we go live, uh, which is important throughout the year. You can have a lot of fun in our live chat. 
And of course, you can rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, which is a great way to help us um, expand our audience, reach more Bears fans like you, um, as well as maybe help swing in some potential sponsorships. Um, Additionally, if uh, word of mouth is a great way to support our show, if you can't help with a donation like Nick mentioned earlier, uh, just telling a fellow Bears fan that it's either your family or friend or maybe a mixture of the two uh, is a great way of uh, just helping out our cause. And uh, we really would appreciate if you can do that. Up next, like Nick said, short week, uh, Buccaneers on Thursday. Plans are in the works. I think Tuesday will work, Nick, for us. We'll figure out timing and things of that nature. And fun fact, I do have my last middle school coaching game on Thursday night, but it should happen soon enough where I should be back to watch the entire game. Worst case, I miss uh, the first. I'll just Maybe we can just call the Bears and tell them to play the third quarter first, so that way I know I don't miss anything. And then from there, right? And then from there, uh, we'll be good. But we should be in pretty good shape here for Thursday night as well. Uh, until then, uh, unfortunately, this is going to be our first Monday. That's not a victory Monday. Uh, so hope you enjoy it. And Nick and I will talk to you here soon with our Bears Buccaneers preview show. But until next time, Bear Down, Chicago. Bear down.